This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained in order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he might be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. That is uh, Paul's admonition to in the pastoral epistle uh, in Titus chapter 1, uh, what we are looking for in elders, or as uh, as we call today, pastors, uh, pastors in the church. The church historically has has found a particular way to to train men for the office of the holy ministry. Though the scriptures don't set forth a curriculum, a a class schedule for us to follow, and so now we uh, are, are left to trying to to determine uh, what is the, the way of which the, what is the best way which we can train the men for the holy ministry. Uh, today on Table Talk Radio, we're talking a little bit of uh, LCMS Inside Baseball. Uh, we're talking about the SMP, that is the Specific Ministry Pastor Program of the LCMS, as accepted uh, in 2007. Uh, to talk about this is uh, Pastor Brian Ketchelmeyer. He's the pastor of Redeemer Lutheran Church in Los Alamos, New Mexico. Uh, pastor Ketchelmeyer, thanks for uh, coming on and talking about this with us. Oh, sure. It's great to be here, Evan. All right. Uh, for those who uh, maybe have uh, are hearing this for the very first time, would you describe for us what the SMP program is all about? Well, what the SMP program is all about is trying to uh, give congregations that need pastors, uh, pastors, uh, give these congregations that, uh, not number one, are small congregations that cannot afford a full-time pastor uh, going through the traditional route of residential seminary uh, based either upon uh, financial reasons for uh, taking the man and sending him off to seminary, helping pay for that uh, that actual education, or for the actual salary of a full-time pastor. So the idea is to, for the sake of these small congregations, that there would be word and sacrament ministry that you would have a man who could serve as what we would call a worker priest, which would mean he would still most likely have a job, full-time job probably, doing something else, but then he could be part-time as the the called and ordained pastor of uh, that congregation. Uh, Does the the church to which he's serving uh, give him some sort of a salary or base pay or anything like that? Well, the church that he's serving, again, the SMP program is a four-year program. And so what you have is the man is actually having job experience right there. His training in the pastoral ministry is twofold. It's uh, an education based through the seminary program, uh, online courses, and sometime actually on campus. But the other uh, facet of that is actually on-the-job training with experience so that he's actually there in the congregation doing the ministry while being trained to do the ministry at the same time. And so the congregation is under a obligation to make sure that this is successful, so they're going to financially help this man to uh, pay for his, uh, his education, to, to help him get through this. And, of course, each congregation is going to make that agreement with each one of these SMP uh, candidates uh, on an individual basis. 
the uh, Concordia Seminary website in St. Louis says this about the program. The Specific Ministry Pastor Program is a category, a new category of pastoral ministry established by the LCMS in 2007, designed to meet the need of pastors for mission and ministry in the church where a pastor with a seminary degree might not be available. Uh, you offered a few uh, a few ideas, but uh, extrapolate on, on, on what might make that degree not available. Well, I, I think the major concern is financial. Uh, what you'll have is you'll have a congregation that cannot financially afford a full-time pastor, uh, either coming out of this seminary or calling from another congregation where he's currently serving as a full-time pastor. And so this is financially driven for the, the smaller congregation. Uh, and then also a twofold, uh, financially driven with the individual candidate who will study for this ministry. What will happen in uh, some of these SMP uh, situations and the scenario is that a man is going to be older, he's going to be retired, uh, possibly uh, he already has put in his years in, uh, in the workforce and he's retired, but he's not at a stage in his life to get up and move off to seminary for four years. Uh, and so there, there's some kind of... Work-related issues, too, where somebody is tied specifically to his uh, career, his vocation there in the town and can't just get up and leave that behind. And so some of that is exclusive to a residential seminary uh, participation. Uh, some of the other things that happen with an SMP is also in a larger congregation, you have a multiple staff. And so they're not really looking for an additional full-time pastor, but they're looking for somebody to serve a specific ministry. And that's, again, why it's called an SMP. It's something specific to that congregation, that context, something that's unique, um, as opposed to a, a general pastor would be a man who is actually trained out of the residential seminary program. Uh, the SMP program described at the, the, the Fort Wayne campus, the Concordia Theological Seminary, says this. It is... Uh, in its most basic form, the SMP program starts with a congregation seeking to call a pastor. Rather than following the traditional process of calling a pastor from another congregation or from our seminaries, the congregation looks within for men with the skills and willingness to be trained to lead uh, as their pastor. Uh, so my question is, uh, the, one, of the, one of the specific ministries, I think the... Uh, uh, LCMS has said things like the uh, a youth pastor or a campus pastor or uh, a church plant or something like that. One of the specific ministries can be word and sacrament ministry. Yes, yes. What would be the fundamental difference between a general pastor and a, a SMP pastor in word and sacrament ministry? Well, uh, of course, it, it'll be the level of training. Uh, in an SMP program, it's a four-year program, but it's not identical to a four-year program at a residential seminary. And in an SMP program, when the candidate actually is accepted into the program and he begins his coursework, uh, he's taking, if I'm not mistaken, four courses a year. But at the same time, he's actually on-the-job training. So he's uh, classified and considered uh, a vicar, in year one. And so all four years, in essence, are a vicarage for this individual student, while yet at the same time he has a, a job on the side, his, his original vocation, and, and then he also is, is taking coursework and doing uh, ministry within the church. What will happen is after the four years, that's kind of the completion of his vicarage, it was a whole four-year program. Uh, as opposed to as a residential seminary, you have a one-year vicarage program. 
Now, of course, the SMP will not have as many uh, uh, course uh, course classes that he's going to be taking. You're only taking about four a year, uh, which is not the same at a residential seminary. So the general pastor will definitely have a, a larger list of courses that he's taken to study uh, for scripture, for theology, for the sake of the church. Uh, another major difference is at the seminaries, it's required that the individual man would already have studied uh, Greek and Hebrew. Those are actually uh, uh, prerequisites to enter into the residential seminary program. Uh, those uh, requirements are not included in the SMP, and neither is it a, a prerequisite to enter SMP, nor is it part of the SMP program. So an SMP pastor would then finish his coursework over those four years without uh, the biblical Greek and Hebrew as a required. This past year, uh, about something to the tune of 20 or more men at the uh, at our seminaries uh, went, uh, came call day, and, and, and 20 or so men were without calls. And I think to date, uh, there are st- still 10 uh, graduates from the Master's Divinity Program without calls. And many have pointed to SMP saying, SMP... Um, has taken what would have been a possible call for these men and have uh, used them for SMP. What's your reaction to someone who, who makes that assertion? Well, I think that at face value, uh, you know, I was not in the situation graduating from the seminary without a call, and uh, my heart goes out to these guys. It's got to be a very difficult situation to be in. Um, but I, I think that the, the bottom line is you're actually comparing apples and oranges. Uh, these, these positions that SMP students are being placed into uh, are not equivalent uh, with the, the calls that graduates from the residential seminary would be placed into. Uh, for instance, that's why we call them specific ministry pastors. So if it's in a larger congregation, it's something very specific, something very unique. It might be only for a part-time youth worker. Uh, it might be only for a part-time uh, visitor of the elderly in nursing homes or maybe a part-time work in uh, prison uh, work. Uh, and so it, it is comparing apples and oranges. It's not exactly the same thing, especially in the context of the larger congregations. Now, in the smaller congregations, though, what you'll find is these are the congregations that need a pastor. They do not have a called or an ordained pastor, and they are in need. But again, I, I think that you have to assess this uh, in reality. The men who have studied for four years at the residential seminary, these men are looking for full-time jobs. Uh, they, they are looking for a uh, salary that uh, they can actually um, put into to place to support themselves. And if they're married and with children, which is the case for quite a few of them, uh, they, they need a substantial uh, amount of support from the church financially so that they can uh, take care of their families. Uh, and so in these SMP congregations that uh, are utilizing the system, you're looking at the small congregations that cannot afford a full-time pastor. Um, so I, I think you are comparing apples and oranges. Now, be that as it may, there may be candidates from the seminary who are willing to take a part-time job at a smaller congregation with a, a part-time salary. Uh, that may be the case, and if that's the case, then maybe some of those positions should be looked at to be filled with a, a seminary grad. But I, I think, Evan, the, the case is most uh, seminary grads are looking for a full-time work, uh, which you're not going to find much in these SMP smaller congregations that would be doing the Word and Sacrament ministry. I opened the beginning of the program talking about uh, you know, training men for the, for the ministry, um, 
that they could uh, hold firm, trustworthy to the trustworthy word, so that they can uh, give instruction and sound doctrine. Um, looking at the at the different curriculums, the, the course loads for a residential seminarian and uh, an SMP student. Um, what is to be said about the way we can best train our pastors, best train our, our future pastors? Um, if, if, we, if we have a program which, which gives uh, you know, 16 or whatever classes in the course of, of their instruction compared to a full-time uh, academic uh, instruction, um, are, are we, we you know um, correspond about this through our emails, um, but what uh, I guess my question is, um, what is the the best way that we can can instruct these men to, to be pastors, and what would we expect of men uh, after going through this official seminary training? Yeah, th- this is an interesting thing. How do you train uh, men for pastoral ministry? Uh, throughout the ages and in the scripture itself, I, there, there's not a prescribed, this is how many years it takes or this is how many uh, course credit hours uh, are needed to fulfill this training. Uh, the, the issue is that you, you need a man who's trained in theology that is teaching the doctrine of the apostles. And so the, the categories are you've got to train the man. You have to examine the man to make sure that he gets it, that he is apt to teach, that he, he understands the theological uh, teaching that he needs to deliver to those who are under his care. And so you've got to train him, you've got to examine him, and you need to call and ordain him. I mean, these are really the, the issues of uh, what it means to be in the pastoral ministry. How you train him and how you examine him, though, are, are, are not things that are directly prescribed in Scripture, and they have been in flux throughout the, the centuries. Uh, with, with both SMP, a uh, specific ministry pastor, and a general ministry pastor, the, the key issue is, of course, education. But I would say always a continuing education, a constant education. And there, there needs to be a, a level, if not a formalized examination, but what is key is that the man is teaching the doctrine of the apostles. Now, not if he taught it 10 years ago, but now he's moved on to something uh, supposedly bigger, better, and brighter. But the key is, what is he currently teaching? And so I think that within the SMP, they are starting they are starting far behind what a general ministry pastor will have as far as education foundation to work with from the seminary. And so with the SMP, I think that we need to be very, very clear and very, very purposeful on continuing their education, making sure that they continue to study uh, the Word of God, the Lutheran confessions, and make sure that they continue to have a better grasp on it, more so than we would a general ministry pastor. But at the same time, Evan, I, I think that a general ministry pastor does not graduate from the Christian faith. Just like when we have these confirmation kids go through the catechism, that confirmation is not graduation from the catechism. It's only the next stage, the stage where you publicly say, I will continue in this catechism, I will continue to learn, I will continue to hear. And that's what a pastor from the seminary is saying, I will continue to learn, I will continue to hear, and I will continue to teach that doctrine that is sound. And so the issue is really, how do we maintain pastors who are continuing to teach sound doctrine? Um, the, The general ministry pastors have a better foundation to work with, uh, but even there, we still need to continue that education, encourage them uh, through the seminaries, have a coursework throughout the summers uh, throughout the United States with continuing education courses that they offer. 
Um, so either way, Evan, I, I think we need to work with a continuing education. Uh, I, I've, uh, you wrote down a few, uh, a few questions while you're talking. There. Let's start with examination. Uh, one of the concerns I've had about uh, the SMP program is that examination. Uh, for traditional students who go through the seminary and, and take up residency there, uh, certainly, I mean, maybe for those who don't know, usually the, the, the men who are single uh, will live on, live on the dorms, and then those uh, who are married typically live off campus um, you know, with their families in their own homes. Um, but nonetheless, being at uh, the seminary, there's a lot of interaction with faculty and other students, uh, which the SMP uh, candidates would, would miss out on. Um, I'm wondering if that should be a concern in terms of examination, whereas uh, faculty members will have interacted with students, you know, even even in the informal times, uh, at, at dinner table, at lunch table, um, but even in, in classroom discussion, where that might be very minimalized, if at all, in the S&P program, though I do understand they, they go to the seminary for like a week or, or something like that. Do yeah, they, 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 you're right, Evan. I mean, they, they, they will completely miss out on those uh, wonderful opportunities to engage in conversation with both uh, fellow students at the residential seminary and also faculty. I mean, that, that is just an amazing gift uh, to the church to be able to to interact with uh, our faculty at our seminaries that are top notch. I mean, these are these are scholars. These are the scholars of the biblical uh, Hebrew, the Greek, the the confessions. I mean, th- these are guys that we really ought to be rubbing uh, elbows with. Uh, we can gain a lot of knowledge and understanding from them. And so, yeah, the SMP is lacking in that area. Um, the one thing, though, that, that you must understand with the SMP is that there, each SMP student is is connected to a mentor supervisor. And so with his uh, mentor supervisor, who is a called and ordained general ministry pastor, there would be opportunity to interact not at the same level as residential seminary. I mean, there, there's, there's no comparison to the gift that you get by actually attending a residential seminary. Uh, but there is the ability to interact with the general ministry pastor who's your mentor and supervisor, who's to be encouraging you to, to continue to struggle, to continue to uh, understand, to grapple with the teachings of the Word of God, and to uh, get a better hold on them so that you can teach to others. But in the SMP program, also remember that these students are encouraged to continue their education and to apply the credit hours that they have begun their coursework in the SMP program to actually further it into an MDiv. When an SMP student graduates from the SMP program, he does not have a Master of Divinity. Uh, but they are encouraged to continue that and pursue a Master of Divinity. This, so the seminaries are trying to dovetail this coursework together so that those S&P courses can then be applied towards uh, an MDiv, which would be a, a further continuation of education. And should they complete the MDiv, um, would they be eligible then for a uh, to, to be a general ministry pastor? Yes, okay. yes. Then they would be in that same category. Okay. Um, you mentioned the, the different levels of, of coursework, and I wonder if this doesn't play in in what you mentioned about the continuing education. Um, I, I mean, it would be interesting to see uh, if, if if the the, the preparation w- within seminary uh, is is con- um, conducive for for giving the motivation for men to keep studying. Although, I, I mean, I 
you know, having completed two years at the seminary and, and almost done with my vicarage here, I, I know that there's there's men in in, in my classes who who uh, don't take their their classes seriously, to be sure. And and so they're certainly not. I mean, uh, what I'm saying is you can't say just because someone's at the seminary they're they're necessarily uh, becoming better trained than someone who's maybe taking online courses. But I, but I am I am looking at the course loads in the different uh, seminary for the SMP. And when I look at the Fort Wayne seminaries, I see a lot of the same classes that I have taken um, at the for an MDiv, which is what you I mean if if they're gonna you know push these towards an MDiv later than it would need to be. But you know, confessing Christ in today's world. Uh, Lutheran Confessions, Introduction and Overview, Preaching the Faith, which I guess would be like homiletics, Baptism. Uh, you know, so, so a lot of these classes are, are similar to what I have taken. But when I look at the, the St. Louis Seminary's SMP courses, uh, I find courses such as these. Uh, the storyline of the creedal story, uh, highlights in the creedal story, Lutheran insights into the creedal story, incorporation into the creedal story, proclaiming the creedal story, teaching the creedal story, reenacting the creedal story. Um, do we see a, a difference in the, I mean, rather than just number of classes, do we see a, a difference in the curriculum of S&P versus uh, MDiv for, for general ministry pastor? Well, the two seminaries, you know, they're going to have their own unique uh, S&P programs. They've been working together to try to dovetail these together, but they're not going to be identical. You're also not going to have the same professors who are teaching these online courses to the S&P program. So it's going to be unique to the professor. But that's the same thing with residential St. Louis or residential uh, Fort Wayne. Uh, You'll get unique uh, professors who will uh, teach their coursework a little bit differently than the other, uh, but the basics will still be covered. and so with this SMP program, the issue, again, is to encourage these students to continue to, to learn, continue to learn. Um, that, that's really the bottom line. You know, it was at one point when I was at the residential seminary, I, I was even uh, joking around as you, you take a, a test on the Lutheran Confessions and you get an A on your test at the Lutheran Confessions. <laughs> and then you have to sit and say to yourself, wow. You know, is an A good enough? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I should have got a hundred percent. I should have got an A plus. You know, is <laughs> a ninety-seven percent uh, good enough on a final exam for the Lutheran Confessions? <laughs> right. Well, then, even uh, e- even to get that hundred percent, is it saying then there's nothing more to learn from the Lutheran Confessions? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that with an SMP. This may provide the opportunity for the Senate to just reassess who we are as pastors in the Senate. Uh, you know, when you have pastors who, who do not attend uh, circuit meetings, when you have pastors who do not attend uh, regional conferences or do not take advantage of uh, these, uh, these conferences or these continuing educations provided by the seminary, the, the bottom line is we know that in general, or I don't know if in general is the right word here, but it, what happens, the tendency is, People are going to look to be educated. I mean, as one who teaches, I am going to continue to look somewhere to learn more so that I can teach more. Now, either I'm going to gravitate towards good Lutheran theology or I'm going to start uh, being discouraged and start heading towards uh, some more of this uh, purpose-driven uh, non-denominational uh, kind of just uh, church growthy type stuff, and then I will fill my plate with that kind of uh, learning. 
So I, I think that both with SMP and, and, and general ministry pastors, we need to, as a synod, reassess how pastors who are called and ordained who are serving should continue to study the Lutheran confessions, should continue to study the Word of God, and be able to better articulate as they teach to the flock they have been given to serve. You mentioned that, that part of this problem with... Um talking about SMP is is that it's new and we no one's graduated from SMP yet so we don't really ha- see how all the all the things are going to work out um, but within the SMP program uh, uh, as soon as as soon as the individual starts he's a vicar for the first two years and then after his sec- first two years after the second year he's then ordained and then but not rostered yet and then for the third and fourth after the third and fourth years he's then rostered enabling him to uh, go to uh, conventions or uh, be called to another church. I wonder, though, do, do you think, though, that if you know my particular church, after we've seen SMP in play for a while, uh, my particular church is, is looking for a new pastor, do you think that there might be a, a preference or maybe a, a prejudice? Uh, I, boy, I, I want a, a general ministry pastor, or, or we could call an SMP pastor, do we're in sacrament at this church. Um, I'm worried, though, that, that that there would be almost division that 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 these the general ministry pastors um, are maybe unofficially better than the SMP or or vice versa. Your opinion on that? Well, I, I think that any time you are trying to to call a pastor, you you really want the best man to be placed in that position in your congregation because you want a man of God who is going to teach you the Word of God. And, I mean, just hands down, we know that four-year residential seminary training is a better foundation than four years of SMP training. I mean, it just is. There's, there's no real argument there. That's just an objective fact. Uh, but, again, the, the key issue is going to be what is the man teaching? Um, and so, yeah, you will have the congregations who can fo- afford a full-time pastor are going to look to the seminaries as the place where they can uh, receive a trained man. But, you know, Evan, as you even mentioned, the, the number of, of candidates who graduated from the seminary this last spring without calls, or I guess, I, I don't know if they graduated. Yeah, I guess graduation has taken place. Is that correct? Yeah, it has. Yeah. Okay, so they've graduated without calls still, and they're still looking for about 10 of them or so. Well, you know as well as I do that the strange thing throughout the Senate is you have congregations who are calling and looking for a man, but then they don't want to get a man from the seminary either. I mean, so you already have kind of that that level of of kind of a a gradation of Mm -hmm. you have – congregations who say, yeah, we'll take a man out of seminary, and then you have other congregations say, well, that's a fresh guy. He's new. He's too green. And so we want an experienced guy, so we want to call a man from another congregation who's been in the ministry for, let's say, 5, 10, 15, 20 years or so. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you already currently have that. Not all congregations who are calling look to the seminary as their primary source for for a candidate. (laughs) Uh, You have... I don't know the statistics, but I'd say the majority of congregations uh, look outside of the seminary to call a man who's serving currently in another congregation. You've mentioned a number of times uh, the the financial problem in all of this. Um, do you have any other possible solutions uh, to this financial problem um, that we're facing? Well, the financial problem is a, it's a strange problem to be in uh, because this is the core issue. It's finances. You have a small congregation that cannot afford to uh, to call 
uh, a pastor for full-time ministry. Um, and that's a financial issue. What I think that uh, needs to take place is I think that as the Senate, we need to recognize those and actually try to move to solve that financial problem. I think that circuits themselves should take more of an ownership in the congregations that they're serving with side by side and supposedly walking together with. So that within my circuit, if there's a, a congregation that cannot afford a full-time pastor, I think the larger congregation of the circuit, instead of being more concerned about it, adding more programs to their plate, uh, they should be more concerned about these smaller congregations that don't even have word and sacrament ministry. And so I, I think, again, as a synod, we need to reassess uh, where we are in word and sacrament ministry. What, what does it mean to actually be a church, uh, a local congregation instituted by Christ, with a, a called and ordained servant of the word? Uh, pastoral ministry instituted by Christ. Is that more important than all the extra uh, uh, programs and uh, big things that a big congregation can do. So I think that some of the things need to come from the circuit itself. This needs to be more circuit-driven to help make sure that there is a man in each city like Paul wanted. That's why Paul left Titus back in Crete. Uh, this is what happens in Acts chapter 14 as Paul goes around and makes sure that there is appointed in every city uh, a man who uh, is placed there by God. And so I think there's a financial issue that I think the circuits need to take up. I think the districts need to take up. I think the Senate needs to take up. And I know that the Senate is looking into ways to bring down the cost of uh, seminary, the cost of SMP. Uh, again, it, I, I think that in an ideal world, the Senate itself should be paying for residential seminary coursework for any man who's qualified who would desire that office of uh, of pastoral ministry. If there's a man who desires it, a man who's qualified, I think that the Senate ought to put this primarily as a number one uh, issue to be resolved and make sure that that man can afford to go to residential seminary and, if at all possible, pay his entire way. It, it does seem like in today's I – don't, I don't know what respons- what's responsible for it, but it seems like today uh, we are so numbers-driven that – that the mark of a successful and, and active church is the number of people there. Um, and so uh, you, we, we, we maybe so, sometimes sinfully look down upon these, these smaller churches that only have, you know, they only have 20, 30 people gathering. Uh, so so they're, you know, they're, they're not really doing the Lord's work or something, something along those lines. Um, but it, it seems, though, that if we properly understand the Lord's gifts, that uh, he gives us his uh, forgiveness, life, and salvation in the context of that divine service, then then those gifts bestowed in the divine service are are just as great and wonderful in a church of twenty people or a church of of uh, two thousand people, and so it seemed to uh, stand to reason that um, maybe some of the larger churches who who are financially stable uh, would be able to support maybe some of these smaller churches. Uh, as as missions projects, and we oftentimes think of missions as being in Africa or across you know the other side of the world, but we certainly have missions going on in uh, rural America with uh, churches bestowing the Lord's gifts through Word and Sacrament with just thirty people there. Yeah, definitely. You know, Devin, I I serve in a congregation where we have about thirty five people in attendance at the Divine Service. So I, I serve in one of those contexts where it's a very small congregation. Uh, and I, I've been blessed with a congregation who has uh, been able to 
to put a lot of money into that offering plate to make sure that uh, I have a salary that's paid and to make sure that I'm uh, well supported. And I know that that's not the case with a lot of congregations the size that I'm, uh, I've been called to. Um, but I, I, I would hope that uh, congregations could refocus and look at uh, fellow congregations within the circuit as, uh, as missionary opportunities. I, I mean, like you said, Evan, I, sometimes we, we talk about missions just so we can talk about missions and then we enjoy talking about missions. But the, the bottom line is do we do them and do we do them locally? And I, I think that that's a key issue that we need to tap into. And lastly, Pastor Ketchemeyer, uh speak to the, the individual who is considering uh, becoming a pastor and apparently has these two options before him. He has uh, going to the seminary for uh, three or four years versus uh, the SMP program. Uh, what uh, insights or what um, things would you bear on, uh, lay to bear on his mind in, in this important decision? Well, uh, a couple of things. Uh, number one, you, you've got to understand that the SMP is not uh, set up for an alternative to residential seminary. I mean, that's not the, the reason why it's put into play. And so a man doesn't really have two choices. If a man wants to go and to be trained and to become a called and ordained pastor, his choice is residential seminary. Uh, that, that's the way that we, we've set this up as a senate. That's the way that we walk together. That's the place that he ought to go. And so SMP is really not a choice. Uh, as an alternative for a, a man who wants to go and to be trained theologically. Uh, again, recall SMP is supposed to be initiated by a congregation who has a need. So the congregation has a need, and then within their own congregation, they're looking for a man who would fill that, that need. And then in that specific ministry, uh, that, that man is not able to go off to residential seminary. Uh, it may be the case that the man might be able to go off to residential seminary, and then, of course, then uh, he ought to. Uh, that is the place where you get uh, the best uh, theological training in four years that, uh, that is possible in our, our Senate. But, uh, again, SMP program is not an alternative for an individual to say, well, would I do this or would I do that? It's really driven by what the specific needs of a congregation are and then finding a man within their context to apply for that, uh, that program. And so they find a man who has to then go through a district interview. He has to provide a portfolio. There's a seven-point portfolio that he is, uh, is able to be trained to be theologically astute. And so he then has to take uh, pre-entrance examinations, Old Testament, New Testament, and Christian doctrine. But again, it's not really serving the purpose of an alternative to residential seminary. It's for that specific ministry need. And so if a a man is individually in a congregation somewhere in the Senate and is thinking about going into called and ordained pastoral ministry, well, then his option is residential seminary. Unless there is something specific to the context of a congregation where they're trying to find somebody to fit a, a very unique need. We've been talking to Pastor Brian Ketchelmeyer. He's pastor of Redeemer Lutheran Church in Los Alamos, New Mexico, about SMP. Uh, thank you, Pastor Ketchelmeyer, for being on uh, today's edition of Table Scraps. Oh, you're welcome, Evan. It's been great to be here. Uh, I, I know that I've uh, certainly picked up a lot more, uh, understood the, the finer details of SMP through this interview. 
uh, as well. Uh, we want to hear from you and see what you think about the special ministry pastor program of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. And you can do so by going to our website at tabletalkradio.org and find the link for this show, uh, Table Scraps, the S&P program, and you can post your comment on that page. Uh, to talk about the S&P. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Scraps, a production of Table Talk Radio.